Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Who can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No. the blood of Jesus. For my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing this my plea, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Naught of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. each and every one of you out this morning. Appreciate you coming. I'd like for you all to shake some visitors, hands of folks over here on the right. Uh, I think their last name is Myers. Y'all can uh, uh, Anyway, we'd like for you to stay for lunch too. Uh, uh, you say, well, I didn't bring anything. Well, that's okay. We got plenty. I guarantee you. And uh, if you don't, you can have my part. But anyway, it's good to see you all this, this morning. I'd like for you to turn, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number one. Hebrews chapter number one in your Bibles. We're going to be talking about this morning the greatness of Jesus Christ, how great he is. We sing that song, How Great Thou Art, but I, I, I was doing some study and I, I want to give you some. I'm going to have to read these things here to you to get you uh, uh, up to speed what we're talking about. But um, in Hebrews chapter number one, verses one through three, the Bible said, God who in sundry times and divers manner spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So they spoke to man by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken to you by his son, 
whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his, of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by, by himself purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I want to give you some, just some thoughts here this morning. I tell you what, when I began to do this study, I, it, was, it was pretty good. But uh, I want to read you some things. It said, God took on the nature of a man and still remained God. And is that, that's miraculous. That God the Son could take upon himself the full nature of man and yet retain the full nature of God is miraculous. The Bible declares that Jesus was as much God as he was. Uh, the Bible declares that Jesus was as much God as if he never was man and as much man as if he was never God. The human body could, could, uh, the human body could be conceived with a mother's womb without an earthly father. That's talking about the virgin birth. That's miraculous. This is what really got me. In Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, the Bible said that God said, let's make man in our image. But in Philippians chapter number 2, in the New Testament, God was made in the image of man. And uh, in Philippians, I, I want you to see that Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 7. Well, let's go back to uh, verse number 5. It says, and let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not, it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So God made us in his image, but when Jesus came, it's called the, that uh, then he, he took on himself the likeness of a man. And uh, I want you to turn in the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. And we'll read there and then we're going to get right into the message. Hebrews chapter number 10. I want you to see something here. Uh, what the Lord Jesus did the day that he saved us. And uh, this, ought to, this ought to get us excited this morning. It really should. And, uh, and uh, chapter number one, uh, 10, I'm sorry, uh, verse number 10 through 12. By the which we will are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest standing daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifice which, which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so we see here that he talks about two things. Jesus became our sacrifice for sin. And then, of course, in, in the body, he performs he performed the, uh, the uh, offering for sanctification. And so every, it, we have to understand, and, 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 and this, again, it, it, uh, it's going to be hard this morning because I, I'm so excited about this. So y'all going to just have to just bear with me for a little bit. But anyway, um, we see that we are sanctified. We're saved and sanctified because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have today what is called uh, uh, sanctification. In other words, we have been set apart uh, uh, f to God. We're not, not of this world. We're from another world. And God has sanctified us, and it's called pro uh, progressive sanctification. In other words, when a person gets saved uh, as a new convert, 
uh, they sometimes, you know, they do things they shouldn't do. And, uh, but after they've been saved for a while and they read their Bible and get into the Word of God, what happens, they begin to change. That's why the Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are becoming new. For instance, uh, I'm going to give you just my, um, uh, a word here from, uh, about myself. And I, I don't like to talk about myself, but when I, I didn't like church before I got saved. Uh, and uh, I, I didn't like preachers. I didn't like most people who claimed to be Christian because they didn't act like that when they were around me and we drank the same brand of liquor and we looked at the same dirty magazines and that sort of thing. But after I got saved, uh, uh, we, in, in the van I used to be like a, a foreman over a, a line crew and uh, my job was to make sure everybody else was doing what they're supposed to do. And in the van, though, we, it was a place where they would all gather and be, have dirty books in there and all kinds of things. But after I got saved, I went back. <laughs> On Tuesday, we cleaned that mess out. And, uh, and, but begin to grow, and that's called progressive sanctification. And we have to understand some things here, though. The incarnation of Christ is a divine thing. It's power. Because, because of his power, he says in the book of Matthew, all power is given unto me, both heaven and earth. And of course, in Acts chapter number one, verse eight, he tells us that we're going to receive power. And so, see, it's the power that should be allowing us to work, to work every day in our lives without exception. In other words, we should be people that is what is called peculiar people. That doesn't mean that we walk around acting stupid. It means we're set apart and the world cannot understand us. They don't understand why you're here today. Uh, because if you, if you have some friends that's not saved and, and uh, they say, what are you all going to be doing on Sunday? Let's have a cook up. Well, no, I go to church on Sunday. They don't understand that. So don't try, don't, don't, don't make them try to, you know, understand them because you can't understand them. But uh, I'm going to get into the, to, the, uh, to the message, though, this morning about the great greatness of Christ. And I just wanted to give you that little insight that when I was running across some study uh, that, uh, that I, I was looking at, it, it, it blessed my heart. So I figured it would bless yours, too. Okay, we talk about the greatness of Christ here in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 1. But before we do that, go over, if you would, to John, chapter 21. John, chapter 21. And verse number 24. This is the talk about John. This is the talk about John. You know, John the Beloved. That's who wrote the book of it. Okay, so this is the disciple which testified these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. That's talking about the greatness of Christ. He is great. And, uh, and by the way, if you know him as your personal savior, you can testify to that fact too, that, that he is great. What, think, think about what he's done in your own life, how he's changed your life and how, you know, where you was headed in one direction, now you're headed in another direction. That's just God. Hebrews chapter number uh, one again, in verses one and three, we see three things here in this verse, okay, that talks about the greatness of God. Notice, if you would, verse number one, the, the God who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. 
Number one, I want you to see here, God is not a silent God. He's not a silent God. You see, God's always revealing himself to man. As you read the Bible, and, and, and I, I tell you what, I, I've read the Bible for many years, but in these last days, I guess, it's, it's meant a whole lot more to me. When you, when you, have, a, when you have a problem in your life, and every, every, every problem you have in your life, it's, it's, it can be found out here in the Word of God. And that, that there's no such thing as we have a problem that God cannot fix. God can fix your marriage. And God, can, and God can speak to you as a believer. Now, He doesn't speak to us in audible voices, but He speaks to our heart. And we see here, God's always revealing Himself to mankind. Even if uh, I remember hearing a missionary came through, he was down in South America, and there was this group of people. Now, they didn't know God like we know him, but they knew that, well, that there was those, uh, what they called a high power or God. And, and these folks had, uh, for years back, thousands of years back, they went into a cave and they, and they, and they, they, had, uh, they drew a picture of Noah's Ark. Some way, God, they, they had heard about Noah's Ark. Now, they hadn't heard a missionary yet, but they, the, it passed down through generation to generation. It talked about Noah's Ark. And, and see, that, that is what we have today in, in, our, in the Word of God. Numerous occasions, God sp spoke to men in different ways. Of course, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis, when God was, uh, went before Adam and Eve sinned, God spoke to them in an audible voice. He went to them, the Bible said, in the cool of day, and he spoke to them in an audible voice. And of course, he spoke to, uh, he spoke to uh, uh, different individuals. And when Jesus was baptized, there was uh, like a form of a dove came down, and, the, and uh, the Bible said the sky was open, and they heard him say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God has spoke to the hearts of men ever since he created man. And we have to understand some things here. You see, it's numerous times in the word of God, we see how God was speaking to people. In old times, in sundry times, he spoke by the prophets. Now, what is a prophet? A true prophet is one that could prophesy and it had to come to pass. In other words, the only way that he could prove to be a, a true prophet is if it would come to pass. And God gave, and as I was reading the Old Testament, now I've gotten over the New Testament, and, uh, but uh, you, you talk how, how God spoke to Moses there that day uh, up on Mount Sinai. He spoke to him in a burning bush. He heard him in an audible voice, and God spoke to him. And so, but, but you have to understand something. Somebody asked me one time, who do you think we're going to see when you go to heaven? Are you going to see God the Holy Spirit? Well, he's a spirit. And the Bible also says that he that worships God must worship him in spirit and truth, for God is a spirit. So who took upon himself the form of a man? And that was the Lord Jesus. When he went back to heaven, he went back in the form of a man. So I believe that when we go to get to heaven, we'll see Jesus. But Jesus said this. He said this to his disciples. When you see me, you've seen the Father. And so we have to understand some things here. God spoke, now he's speaking by his son. The word of God, if every book, the Bible says there in the book of John, if everything that should be written about Jesus, the world could not contain the books that should be written. That's, why, that's what God thinks of his son. And so we see some things here. Uh, he is the eternal God. Jesus was himself the eternal God. He was the God man. 
He was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. And we have to understand that. Now, he spoke to us, and when you read the New Testament, you get over in the, in the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, uh, and I've had somebody say to me, uh, well, preacher, uh, you know, it looks like that, that uh, when they, they're not saying the same thing, and, 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 the, and those disciples were not saying the same thing. Well, let me say this. Uh, using this pulpit, for instance, now, you sitting out there, I can see the front of it. And I'd ask you uh, about the front up. You say, well, there's a cross on it and so forth and so on. But what's in the back here? You see, they was looking at Jesus as a different way. You see, Matthew was a tax collector. And we have to understand as they looked, and Luke, of course, he was a, he was a physician. And so he would look at it in, in a human, human way. Matthew was a tax collector. He was the apostle to the uh, Jew. And right on down the line, we see here how God, when, when it talks about in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, these disciples was looking at Jesus in a different way. And, and they, one of them would look at him as a, as a servant. He said, I, I'm going to be a servant. Then, then, of course, in the book of John, you have to realize that the book of John tells us who Jesus is. And John chapter number one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and without him nothing is made that is made. And the Bible said that, that, that of course, that, uh, that he came to the Jew. They didn't receive him, but those that received him to them gave him power to become the sons of God. And so we have to understand that as these disciples was writing about Jesus, they looked at him in a different way. But John especially looked at him as the son of God. Jesus asked his disciples one time, said, who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elijah, that you're Elijah, and some say you're this and that and the other. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said that you are the son of God. And he said, he said, upon this truth, I will build my church. And we have to understand some things here, the greatness of Christ. And when you look at the greatness of Christ, there are certain things you have to look at. His relationship to the universe. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians that all things were made by him. And, uh, and he is, he's the one by him all things consist to hold together. And he was in, in the creation. You see, Jesus' life did not start in Bethlehem. He always has been. There was never a time when he was not God. But we have to understand here that his, his relationship to, uh, to, to the, the universe you know, people say, well, you know, you know, when I think about God, I, I think about the Big Bang Theory, you know, that uh, one time there was nothing and the Big Bang took off and, and it blew everything all apart. Man, lit, uh, you know, landed on Earth, a little surfactant, a little microorganism that fell in the ocean and drug up on the land and, and it began to, you know, uh, what do they call that? evolved and, and uh, so then it started out a little blob and then it crawled up on the uh, uh, up on the sand and and then it wiggled around for several hundred years and million years and and then uh, he got some legs and he was crawling around on his knees and and then all of a sudden he found he could stand up and then he jumped up in this tree and he's swinging around in the trees and one day he wrapped his tail around a branch and the guy he fell off the tree and jerked his tail off, and, and now he wears a suit and he's preaching the gospel. But let me say this today. That's not what it is. 
God created man. It was in the mind of God. Why did God create man? The Bible says he created them for himself. He made us in the image of God. If you want to know what God looks like, he looks like you. Because we're made in the image of God. But in the book of Philippians, he tells us that he took upon himself the form of a man. And we have to understand some things here. He is the heir of all things. Jesus is the heir of all things. That's what the Bible says there. He says, verse number three, who being in the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by what? His word. What holds this, what holds this, this earth together? His word. Jesus spoke the word. You see, the Bible said that the earth was out of form. It was void without form. And God said, let there be light. He created something out of nothing. We can create something, but we've got to have something to create it with. You may be a sculptor. You may be able to, to uh, sculpt. You may be a person that can, uh, you know, whittle on something, uh, whittle on a piece of wood, make it look like a dog or a horse, whatever you want to do. But you have to have something to start with. God needed nothing. He said, let there be light. And there was light. God just spoke the word. And one day, before too long, there's going to be called a battle of Armageddon. Have you ever heard that one before? And of course, the kings of this earth is going to go against him. And I can just imagine they have all those rockets pointed towards him. And he's going to speak the word and they're going to drop dead. He just speaks the word, the word of his mouth, the Bible says. And we have to understand some things here. He is Jesus, the unique son of the living God. God has many sons, but he has only one begotten son. And that's the Lord Jesus. The word begotten, in, in the Greek it means one and only one, one of a kind. And so God, the Lord Jesus, was, he, he is, he's the son of the living God. He's a sovereign Lord over the universe. I was reading in my Bible that, uh, now you look out in, in the night, especially on a, on a clear night, you look out and all those stars that are were, but that's nothing. There's, I can, there's not a number that I can put on how many stars is out there. There are stars out there that you could put five or six earths inside of. Think about that. But God has numbered, named every one of them. He knows how. I'm telling you, it didn't, it didn't knock your head sideways if you're not careful. And when, when David looked up in the sky that night, he said, who is man that thou art mindful of him? He looked at the beauty of, 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 of the night. The stars probably was twinkling the, and the moon was out bright. And David, it just, he called it, he said, who, who is man that you even mindful of him? You see, the world belongs to Jesus. Right now, of course, he's allowed Satan. See, Satan can't do anything unless God allows him to do it. But now Satan is the prince of the power of the air. We have to understand that now. But one day God's going to put him in hell and he's going to claim the earth as what it is. He's going to renovate the earth with fire. Why is he going to do it with fire? Because the way you purify something is with fire. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, if I'd get a splinter in my finger, I'd go over to my grandma and she'd, heat, she'd take a match and she'd burn the end of that needle. I thought to myself, she go brand me or what, you know? But she let it cool off. But why did she do that? 
to get rid of all the germs and anything that wasn't right. You know, when God, the Bible said that the earth is cursed today. That's why when you're playing a garden, you look out your garden, there's, there's I mean, you know, uh, everything grows in the garden except what you want to. You got to get out there and hoe that stuff. You know why? Because it's cursed. The Bible said even the, the earth is groaning now for that day. But when the earth is cleared off, when it's cleaned off, Jesus is now in charge. It's going to be a different earth. By the way, are you listening? Say amen. amen. You're not going to inherit the earth. <laughs> We're going to be in heaven. But the Bible said heaven is, is like a cube, so high and so, and I mean, it, it's, 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 it's clear. They can, the people on earth can see it. It's, it's dangling up. <laughs> and you think about that. David is going to take his, his, his throne again. Bible scholars calls him the viceroy. He's going to be the viceroy, and he's going to, the Jews shall inherit the earth. And, and so they're going to be down there, but they're going to be able to look up. And you know, there's a lot of Jews that's getting saved too, and they're going to be up there with us, but there's some that won't be, but then they'll be able to see. That's a wonderful thing. And when you think about God, I'm telling you what, this is messing my mind up just trying to bring it to you. But I'm saying he is a rightful heir of all things. All things. Jesus that your Savior, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, one day every created, every creature that's ever been created is going to bow their knees and say he's God to the glory of God. Once you look with the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter number one. <clears throat> Colossians chapter number one. You say, well, preacher, that sounds like a fairy tale. <laughs> no, that's, that's the word of God. Colossians chapter number one. Look, me, look with me, if you would, verse number 12, down to 22. Colossians chapter number 1, verse 12, all the way to 22. It says, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet. That word meet there means, it means suitable. Has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. And whom we have redemption, how? Through his blood. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things, for by who? By the Lord Jesus. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and who, what? For him. And, and, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should the all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, I say whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies of you in your mind by the wicked works, yet now have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through the death of, to present you holy, unblameable, unreproachable in his sight, if you continue in the faith, ground and settled, and be not moved away from hope of the gospel, which you have heard 
and which was preached to you, every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in all suffering for you, and fill up that which is behind of the affliction of Christ in my flesh for his body's sakes, which is the church. Folks, today, God said that we are the church. This building is not the church. This is not a church until we get here. But now we that are saved, we are the church. And the Bible said that he gave himself for his body's sakes, which is the church. And so now here's what we say. He's saying here that he is the creator of all things. He did not begin in Bethlehem. That's what he's saying here. In other words, he was, he was the, cre he is the creator and we are the, that we are the creation. There's no such thing as a mistake. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, we had three children, but this one here was a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. And let me say this, you're not a mistake. You're very precious to God. And uh, I've said this before. And the Bible said, and he thinketh on me. Every moment of the day, God is thinking about you and me. Every moment. When we sleep, the Bible said he neither slumbers or sleeps. He's watching out after us even when we sleep. Now that's who he is. But that's just the introduction. <laughs> you see, the Bible said that by him all things consist or holds together. His greatness is seen in the relationship with the Father. When Jesus came to this earth and he took upon himself the form of a man, he, he left the example how we as believers are to live for God. You know, he said, every time, Father, your will be done. The Bible makes it very plain that Jesus prayed every, all the time, every day. He'd go off to himself. He, the Bible said he rose up early before daylight. He had to have time to have that relationship with the Father. You think about that. And then, of course, when he was hanging on that cross, and he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You think about that. God was forsaken of God. I tell you, I told you it's going to get pretty deep. And I'm telling you what, when our minds go to these things and the relationship we to have with God, notice if you would back in, the, back in Hebrews again, you say, well, preacher, I thought that Jesus was God's son. He is God's son, but he's God the son. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 8. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, what? O God. It's not a little g. It's a capital G. It's talking, it's, it's talking about he is very God himself. How could that be? Well, don't ask me. The only thing I can tell you is I believe the book. I don't understand the virgin birth, but I believe the book. If he was been born of a human being, if he had a human father, he could not be divine. He could not be sinless. But the Bible says that in the book of Romans, chapter number five, that by, because of Adam, sin into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all of sin. But he was the God man. He didn't have a father. And I tell you, just, I'm telling you, we see Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He radiates. There was times in the Bible where other men radiated. You remember when Moses went up to Sinai and he came off the 
and the Bible said his face shone and he had to put a, a, a rag over his type of face so they could even look upon him. And Moses said later on, said, God, talking to God the Father, he said, I'd like to see you. God said, you can't see me. He said, if you do, no man has seen me and live. He said, it would kill you to see me. He said, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And when I pass by, you can see my backside. You can't see me. You think about that. When the Shekinah glory came down there and, and, and when they had the tabernacle built, the Shekinah glory came down. Only one man could go into the, the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. They would tie a rope around his leg by his foot. In the event that he'd go in there, there'd be some things in his life that was not right. God would kill him, and they'd have to drag him out by that rope. But when Jesus died that day on Calvary, guess what happened? The Bible said that the, that the curt of the, of the tabernacle into the Holy of Holies, it split from the top to the bottom. Now we that are saved can look into the Holy of Holies because we now are sanctified. Our sins have been forgiven. As far as God is concerned, we have no sin because we've taken upon ourselves the righteousness of Christ. But you say, well, preacher, I sin. When you go to heaven, you not have to answer for sin. You say, where do you see that at? <laughs> well, if I have to answer for sin, then my sin was not forgiven because God forgave me of all my sin, my past, the present, and the future. It's all under the blood. So, but what we're gonna be judged for is our works, not for our sin. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And so we see here that he's the brightness of God's glory. When Jesus was going back into, uh, going back into heaven, the Bible said they looked up and he told those folks then, said, listen, I'm going to come back the same way that you see me glow. And, and, and the Bible said when, when Jesus came out of that tomb, it, it, I believe it was because of the brightness of, of, of God that those men that was guarding that tomb, they, they couldn't take it. I, I, the, the, the Bible said they fell asleep. The, and if they had fallen asleep, they would be killed by the Roman government because if a guard would fall asleep while on duty, he was to be killed. I believe that when, when, they, when Jesus one time, the Bible said he walked right through the middle of them. One time he said, fall down, and they pinned them right against the ground. They couldn't even wiggle, much less move. That's him. That's who I'm talking about today. He upholds all things. His relationship with the Father. Jesus is the Son of God. Then we see his express image of his person. Notice, if you would, in John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14 in your Bibles. John chapter number 14. And notice there with me, if you would, in verse number 9. This is why I quoted a while ago. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Jesus said, When you see me, you've seen the Father. Some of you were, were here um, when I did a, um, an illustration 
about an egg. Well, my, we boil, uh, some of y'all might remember that. We boiled an egg, and, and uh, it's hard to explain the Trinity. It really is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, but they're all, they're all the same, they're three in one. But I took that egg, and I held it up, and I asked somebody, I said, now, what is this? They said, it's an egg. And I said, okay, let's look at this egg as an illustration. The shell will be the Father. Peeled that off. I said, now what do we got? You got an egg. Still an egg. It's the white of an egg. I said, okay, we'll take that off. And then I had that yellow part, the part that's good. I said, now who is this? They said, that's God the Son. But it's, you only see one egg. When you look at the Trinity, you see one person, but it's God three and one. And I know that's a poor illustration, but that's the best I can do today. But I just want to say this. Here we see the, his express image of the Father. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter number 2. This is what I read a while ago. And I quoted some of it. Philippians chapter number 2. Notice, if you would, 6 to 11. It says, who being in the form of God thought not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant that was made in the likeness of men. And being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly, highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. We see, we see something here, his relationship with the Father. He is the express image of the Father, but yet he's the Son. <laughs> I, we see the, the relationship that God has, uh, that the Lord Jesus has with man. He revealed himself. You have to understand that all during the earthly ministry of Christ, he was always trying to get the religious leaders to see who he was. And of course, they, when, he, when he claimed to be, when he, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said, now I am the, the, the bread of life, I am the water of life. When he used the word I am, he got that from the book of Genesis where Noah, when uh, uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and he said, now when I go to your people, when I go to the nation of Israel, they're going to want to know what your name is. And God says, you tell them, I am that I am. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, those religious leaders of that day sought to kill him after that. He was saying, I am God. I was reading in my Bible the other night in my private devotion, and, uh, and, and he said he was forgiving sin. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were standing there and said, no man can forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. And he told them that time. He said, listen, I, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say uh, if I raise this man and he can walk, then what is, what is the greater? For me saying I, I am or raising this man uh, and letting him walk? The question was asked and they couldn't answer it. But let me say this. When he raised him, when he, when he healed him and he was able to walk, he was trying to pro, 
many, many times he was trying to show the people who he was. And you know what? They still missed it. And today, we can tell men about this message. We can, I can preach this message, and I'm trying to do the best I can with it. But I'm just saying, but, but there's still people that don't believe it. They don't believe it. You know, you try to tell people there's a hell, there's a hell to shun and a, and a heaven to, to gain, but they still don't believe it. They still don't. Everything that's happening around us today, folks, let me tell you one thing. It's in the book. It's in this book right here. Everything, everything is just unfolding. And I just heard, told you all the other day, I heard that now the, the, the administration we have now is not pro-Israel. They're not pro-Israel. For, for, for many, many years, America was pro-Israel. The last president we had was really pro-Israel. But I was telling Rebecca, she said, Dad, you know, I told her, she said, was talking about when they was running for president. I said, we say that Jesus is coming back pretty soon. A lot of preachers are saying that, but you know what? Uh, that, that he is coming back because I said, listen, if Trump wins, he's pro-Israel. And uh, he's not going to be against the nation of Israel. But we've got a president today who is. So how close are we? <laughs> because all nations shall come up against Israel. All nations. So we see here, he purged us. He purged us of our sin by himself and his own person. He was that blood sacrifice that in, in the Old Testament where they killed the bulls and the bullocks and the goats and everything else. It was a type or a picture that when Jesus would come, the, the, the lamb the lambs, the perfect lamb without spot, spot or blemish. And I was just reading the other night, John said, uh, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He said, I want you to look at him. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. He said, he's the one you're looking for. We see that by his blood, he cleansed us from sin. We were singing today, what can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, absolutely. You could be baptized in every creek around here till you know all the bullfrogs by the first name and die and go to hell. The, the, listen, the water doesn't wash away our sin. Regardless of what the, ch the church of God and, the, and those folks believe, the water doesn't wash away our sin. Because if that be the case, Jesus would not have had to die. So he's the eternal salvation. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Setting down, if you underline that, it means his work is finished here on earth. Not at that particular time his work was finished. When he cried out from the cross, to sell us die, or it's finished. That, that part of it is finished. He will never be crucified again. He will never be crucified. He once and for all. But now he's set down at the right hand of the Father. So what is, well, since uh, Jesus' job is finished, then he must be up there relaxing. Oh, no, he's making an intercession for the believer. When Satan goes and the revelation goes before God day and night accusing the brother, Jesus said, yeah, they, they, they are like that, but they're mine. He's our, he's our intercessor. And uh, John, First uh, John chapter number 2, my little children, these things are right unto you that you sin not. 
And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. He's, our, he's interceding for us. When the devil makes an accusation, Jesus said, yeah, that's, that's them, but they're mine. And let me say this. Once you're in, you can't get out. And somebody said, well, I suppose I want to get myself out. I said, nobody's that stupid. <laughs> now, who'd want to who'd un, unsave themselves? I mean, once you know anything about the Lord Jesus and about the Word of God, who'd want to who'd unsave themselves? But we can't. Because I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. What a promise from God. So we see here, the work was done. Jesus sat down to the right hand of the majesty. And in the book of the Revelation, I'm going to read you two verses. And we're going to go out there and eat ourselves into a coma. Revelation chapter number one in your Bibles, verse number 18. Boy, the devil doesn't like this verse. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. You see, when Jesus went into the lower part during the three days, he took the keys away from the devil. And by the way, when he left, he took the, some of the Old Testament saints with him. And the Bible said they walked around and, and they was known by, I mean, people knew them. Whereas the Old Testament saints, he took them with him. Amen. Matthew chapter number 18. 28, 18, I'm sorry. This is a verse I quoted a while ago. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The power that Jesus has, we have available. For a person to say, I can't get, I can't get, get the victory over some a habit in my life, then they're not telling the truth. You give it to Jesus. He'll take it away. But he wants all the glory for it. That's what, that's what, you see, that's what he wants. He wants the glory. I don't know what your hang-up is. You may have one. You may, you may have a habit. You say, well, preacher, I, I, you know, I, 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 I have a habit of maybe using tobacco. I have a habit of whatever your habit may be. We have power living on the inside of us to give us the victory over all sin. And by the way, if you got it, why carry it home with you? Because Jesus said there in John, if we confess it, he'd forgive it. There's no sin that he will not forgive except one, and that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. But I'm going to say this. When I, thought, when I was reading this, I mean, I've been saved now almost 51 years, but it still got me excited <laughs> to know that he is everything. He is everything. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's everything. And if you think about that, that ought to make you as a Christian excited. If that doesn't make you excited, I'd make sure that I would say to know that he is everything. And everything lives on the inside of you. Everything. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we want to thank you for the greatness of your Son. He is great. When we sing how great thou art, 
We look at the words, and but we don't really think about what's being said. You are great. You're everything we need. We don't, have, we don't need a new revelation. You're everything. You all in all, you're altogether perfect. And Lord, I want to thank you that you loved an old sinner like me. And you sent your dear son to die on an old rugged cross that I might be saved. You tell us that you, you, were, that you were crucified for the, for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Lord, I, we know that the whole world is not going to be saved. The fact of the matter is more will be lost than saved. Because hell is enlarging itself every day to take them in that's lost. And so Father, I do thank you though that almost 51 years ago you spoke to an old drunk's heart. And you saved an old wretch like me. And Father, I thank you for that. Lord, there may be somebody listening today by the internet that's never been saved. They don't know Christ as a Savior. And today, friend, if you don't know him as your Savior, you can know him today. He's, he wants to save you. He wants to give you everlasting life. He is who he says he is. He is the Son of God. And he came to, get, to save sinners, and he'll save you if you but call upon him. Be willing to repent of your sin. Ask him to come into your heart and be your Savior. If you'd be willing to pray a prayer something like this, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know I cannot save myself. But the best way I know how, I ask you right now to forgive me my sin, come into my heart and be my Savior. And Lord, I'm going to believe your word, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friend, if you did that today, if you'd write, drop us a line and let us know, we sure would appreciate it. Now, Father, we do thank you that you are still saving sinners, and I pray now, God, you'd help us to live for you, put you first in our lives, be willing to brag on you, because you are all in all. You are the Son of God and God the Son. And I pray now, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to love you and put you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, don't, don't, uh, we'd love for you to stay and eat with us. Amen. We're having, uh, I can't know what all we're having, but we're having some pretty good food. I never knew any Baptist yet, didn't know how to cook. <laughs>